Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. I think for those of us that live here in America, you know, there's a lot of different churches that are around in the area, right? All over America, there are different kinds of what we would call Christian churches, a lot of different kinds of denominations, a lot of different uh, beliefs, a lot of different doctrines. And for many of you, I'm sure that, you know, many, if not all of you, have a friend or many friends who go to different churches, right? You know, so your your friend from high school or somebody that you met at college or, uh, you know, just uh, your family and friends and relatives, people that you know go to different churches and they do different things at those churches, don't they? Right? You're aware of uh, the different things that people do in, in uh, all sorts of different kinds of churches and, and denominations. And you see uh, the non-denominationalists, you see the Lutherans, you see the Methodists, you see the Presbyterians. And, and uh, we here, we're Baptists, of course. And, and uh, you've probably seen all sorts of different things that they do. The kind of music that they sing in their church services. You probably have noticed that. You might have noticed the kind of Bible that they use, the version that they use. You might have noticed the way that they dress, you might notice uh, the way that they live. You might see all different kinds of things, and, and you might have even talked with them about that. You might have even asked them, why do you do what you do at your church? And they ask, why you do what you do at your church? And, and you might have this conversation that goes back and forth, and, and uh, sometimes uh, I, I feel like the conclusion that many come to is, well, you do what's right for you, and I'll do what's right for me. And to a certain extent, I think that we could all find that to be relatively agreeable. But I want us to see how the edification process influences the kind of church that we have. I want to see this principle that God gives to his people in the book of Romans dealing with edification. Romans was obviously a a letter written to the church at Rome. It was written by Paul. He had not been there yet. We know that he ends up in Rome, but when he writes this, he had not yet been there. When you read the letter, you can tell that he has not yet been there. And he covers really the whole spectrum. He covers so many different principles and, and some base doctrines. And we learn so much about what God has for us and his truths out of the book of Romans. And here in Romans chapter 14, we deal with something that, that is involved with the edification process and a principle that I think is important to us. When it comes to edification, or the word that we might use today, building, when it comes to building, a building or, or, or a, a, a facility, when it comes to edification, we want a high standard, don't we? Right? When it comes to a building that you're going to live in, you want a high standard, don't you? When it comes to a building that you're going to worship in, you want a high standard, don't you? In earthquake country, you want a high standard, don't you? You do. You want a high standard. You don't want the low standard building and and buy that house. No, you want a a house that you know is going to stand. You want a house that you know is going to be strong and it requires a high standard. You don't want the the guy who's going to lay the concrete to be skipping out on materials and and watering it down. No, you want it to be solid. You want it to be strong. You want a, a high quality foundation on which to build your house. 
When it comes to the framing, you don't want the framer to be, instead of putting the, the, the two-by-four so far apart as they're supposed to be, you know, just spacing it a little bit farther apart and making it cheaper, using a weaker kind of a wood. You don't want any of those things. You don't want a cheap roofer to come in and, and uh, just do a shoddy job. You don't want those. You want a high standard when it comes to your building, right? When it comes to your car, you want a high standard, don't you? You don't want a car that's going to be breaking down at... 30,000 miles. You don't want a car that's breaking down right after, you know, the warranty expires at 60,000. You don't want a car that breaks down at 60,000 at one mile. You want a car that's going to last. You want a car that's going to keep going. You want the car manufacturer to hold the standard high, don't you? You do. That's what you want. Sometimes you have to pay the price, though, don't you? You've got to pay the price. But you're willing to pay the price because you want that quality, don't you? You want the quality. You want the quality in your car. You want the quality in your home. You want the quality in your clothes. You want the quality in your computer or phone that you use. You want the quality, and that requires a high standard. When it comes to edification, we need a high standard. And when you look at God, God is not one to lower the standard, is he? He's really one who raised the standard. When you look at the Old Testament, there's all sorts of laws, aren't there? We could take a look at all different kinds of laws. But I want to see that in the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ye hath heard it hath been said, right? He says that several times there. He says, ye hath heard it hath been said, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the bar, right? That's the line. That's where we're supposed to be. That's the standard. Don't commit adultery. That's the law. But then Jesus says, but I say unto you, he that looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Here is the bar that Jesus set, that God set in the Old Testament, and Jesus comes in the New Testament, and what does he do? Does he lower the bar? No, he raises the bar. He raises the standard. He says, here is the law that was in the Old Testament. Don't commit adultery. But I'm telling you in the New Testament, don't even lust in your heart. There's a higher standard. And we want the high standard. We need the high standard because Jesus is building a church. And we want a good church, don't we? So we need to hold the standard high. Edification requires high standards. We need a high standard here at Bible Baptist Church. People wonder, why do we hold the standard so high? Why do we make the requirement for what, who can be a, a Life Connection teacher? Why do we say that you've got to come to so many services, Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night? Why do you have to dress a certain way? Why is modesty taught and preached? And, and why do we talk about the words that we use and the music that we listen to and the entertainment that we watch? And, and why do we care about all of these things? It's because Jesus holds a high standard because he wants a high standard kind of a church. He wants a church that is going to stand. He wants a church that is going to last. He doesn't want a shallow church. He wants a deep church. He wants a quality church. You know what? If we lowered the standard, it'd be easy to get anybody in, wouldn't it? Hey, if we just showed all sorts of movies, we could get lots of people to come in. 
Hey, if we just had a great big old concert here, we could get all sorts of crowds, but we're not looking for shallow Christianity. We want a deep Christianity. We want a deep relationship. Hey, we want to dig down deep to get that deep foundation so that our building, our church, will stand. We need a high standard here at Bible Baptist Church. That's why we teach it. That's why we preach it. That's why we give you what the Bible says. And sometimes people say, well, nobody else is doing it. Well, that's fine. If nobody else is doing it, they can have the the shallowness if they want, but we're not going to settle for that. We want something better. We want something deeper. We want something stronger. We want something higher. We want something greater. And that's why we hold the standard high. That's why we say this is what we do. This is how we do it because the Bible says so. And it may seem like, wow, it just seems like nobody else is holding that standard. We're going to keep holding it because Jesus is going to build his church the way that he wants to build it. And I want to take a look at three reasons for the high standard for his church. Number one, I see the higher call of edification. The higher call of edification. I want us to see, first of all, the calling against stumbling blocks in verse number 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Here in the book of Romans, and we won't really take too long to look at the verses or the principles uh, and uh, the whole passage. We don't have time for that. But here in Romans, and actually also in the book of 1 Corinthians, you see that there's, there's passages that deal with Uh, Some uh, differences within the church in terms of what some people believed was right and what some other people believed was right. Some people believed that they could eat anything. Others believed that they were not allowed to eat meat offered to idols. Here in Romans 14, you see that some would honor the day, others would not honor the day. And and, uh, Paul is addressing this. He's addressing it here. He addresses it also in 1 Corinthians. The example that uh, is used is the one of meat offered to idols. It was apparently common in that day and age for those that were obviously not believers. They were pagan. They would butcher the meat and they would offer it to an idol that they would ask for a blessing from a false god, and then they would sell it. And so some believers naturally would come up with the question, is it okay to eat this meat? It's been blessed by a false god. Can I eat that or not? And some people would say, well, I think it's okay. I think that's fine. Others would say, no, that's not fine. It was offered to an idol. That's not okay. And so there was a conflict here. I think here in, the, in, in Bible Baptist Church, I'm sure that there, were some, there are some differences here in our church as well. You know, some people would believe certain things differently in regards to a lot of different issues. When it comes to music, when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to dress, when it comes to uh, all sorts of different things, you might come to different places. Now, there's a couple principles we need to keep in mind. Number one, where the scripture is clear, there is no debate. All right? Where the Bible is clear, the Bible is clear. All right? There's no debating that. All right? Don't try to get around it and say, well, you know, I read some other verse. Okay, the Bible makes it clear, the Bible makes it clear. All right? There's no debating that. Let's not debate it. Let's not seek to get around it. Where the Bible is clear, the Bible is clear. So that's where we stand. But let's say the Bible isn't clear. Right? There's a lot of things that are not exactly 
you know, write down the line as to what exactly are we allowed to do, all right? One of the most common ones is music. Where do you draw the line with regard to music, right? What is godly music and what is not godly music? And if you were to just throw out the a thousand different albums and you were to sort it out into this is acceptable and this is not acceptable and I gave that list to every single one of you, I think every single one of us would probably draw a slightly different line, right? Hopefully we would all get within the same ballpark, okay, right? Hopefully we're not like all over the place, like one person says none of this is okay and somebody says all of this is okay, hopefully we're not like that, hopefully we're in the same general ballpark, but I think you see where I'm going with this, right? We're going to come with some slightly different variations of where we believe the line to be, what is right, what is wrong, what's okay, what is not okay. Paul here, in regards to dealing with meat, here's what he said. What he said is, let me tell you what God thinks. What God says is, meat is just meat, you can eat it. That's what he said. Right? You can read it for yourself, but that's what he said. He said, meat is just meat. But, meat is meat, but I don't want to be a stumbling block to somebody else. That's what he says in verse number 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. He's talking about this matter of judging one another, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Verse number 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Do you see the principle that Paul puts into place, which is this. If, if I come to the conclusion that this is right, this is fine for me to do this, I have liberty within the law to do this, but it's going to cause my brother to stumble, I would rather not exercise my liberty in order to help a brother. Do you see that? Do you see the principle? The principle is this. I would rather help a Christian brother or sister than insist on my rights. I would rather help him. I would rather help her. And it's so important that we as believers take the principle and say, you know what, it might be, you know, I could even see and, and I would draw the line and say that this is acceptable to me. But if it's going to hurt another Christian in their Christian walk, I won't do it. You see it in music all the time. People say, well, I think that it's fine for me to listen to this kind of music. And another person hears about it, and they think, oh, they, I, I thought that that wasn't okay. I, I'm not sure that I should be listening to that. And what happens is their conscience gets wounded because now they're in a conflict. They have a brother and sister who's a, who's a Christian, and they believe to be mature, who's making one decision. But in their conscience, they feel like, I don't think that that is right. And they go against their conscience. They wound their conscience. Well, he's doing it. Maybe it's okay for me to do it. Another case where it's very common is just to see how we as Christians have influence is when it comes to attendance. You know, because there are so many aspects of the Christian life where I don't know exactly where you stand, right? Exactly what you're thinking, exactly where your spiritual standing is, you know. You might come to church and look great, 
But I don't know whether you're spiritual or not, right? You might be smiling. You might be very nice and very kind and polite. But I don't know what's going on in your heart. I can't see those things. But what I can see is I can see whether you were here or not. I can see whether or not you came. And other people can see whether or not you came. You know, what's very common is one, one person is a friend with another person, and this person will only come if the other person also comes. You ever seen that? Not just at church, it's, it's all over the place, right? You know, hey, are you going to this thing? Hey, are you going to class? Hey, are you going over here? What are you going to do? You know, people are talking and trying to figure out who's going, who's not going. If you're not going, I'm not going, and all sorts of different kinds of things. And, and of course, we know that we're not supposed to be influenced by, you know, those different matters, but... Maybe you feel like, you know what, I, you know, I, just don't, I just don't feel like coming to church. Maybe somebody else is also not going to come to church because you didn't come to church. Oh, hey, brother isn't here this week. Oh, sister isn't here this week. Oh, they decided to skip out. Oh, they're not coming. Oh, they're, well, why am I coming then? They know they're supposed to come, but they see other brothers not coming. Guess what? It wounds their conscience, right? The principle that God gives in his word is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me. What he's saying is, he's not saying I can do whatever I want. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, within the boundary of God's law, I am free to do that, right? Where God has put the fence of these things are sin, they are out of bounds. These things are not sin, they are in bounds. He says, all of those things are lawful for me. I know where the lines are. Paul would know where the lines were, right? He knew the law. He knew the Bible. He wrote the Bible. Not he, God wrote the Bible, but through him he wrote the word. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but not all things are the best. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. The question that you should not be asking is this. Sometimes people ask me, why can't I do this? Right? Why can't I listen to this music? Why can't I go to this concert? Why can't I watch this movie? Why can't I hang out with these people? Why can't I do this? It's a question that I hear a lot. And I'm sure that you've heard that same question. Why can't I do this? Paul didn't ask that question. He didn't ask, what can't I do? He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. The question we should ask is, will this help the church? Will this edify a brother or sister? Will it help them or will it discourage them? That's a question that we need to ask. Just because I could doesn't mean I should. All right, here's an obvious example. Can I walk into a bar and order a glass of water and drink and enjoy the glass of water? Is it wrong for me to order a glass of water? It's not a trick question. Is it wrong to order a glass of water? Is it wrong to order a glass of water? No, it's not wrong to order a glass of water. Is it wrong to go into a bar to order a glass of water? Why? It's just a glass of water, isn't it? It's the same water that comes out of the tap over here, that comes out of the tap in my home. It's the same water, isn't it? 
Why can't I go into a bar and order a glass of water? What's wrong with that? Well, there's a lot of things that are wrong with that, aren't there? Right? Your testimony is a big issue there. Hey, there's a problem there. What if another Christian used to have a problem with drinking, and now he sees you going there? He doesn't know what you're ordering. Maybe he even sees you ordering it, and he says, you know what? I'm going to do the same, and he puts himself into a bad place and gets tempted. That's not a good thing, right? Right? Just because you could doesn't mean you should. Now, I think that's an obvious example, right? Right? I don't think any of us is doing that, right? I don't think anybody here in Bible Baptist Church is going to those kinds of places and ordering glasses of water. I don't think that's happening. But I do think some people are listening to some music that they might justify in their mind, but it's, it could be an issue with some other Christians. I do think it comes to some kind of entertainment, the kind of movies and things that they're watching, and then, you know, some other person hears about it and says, well, you know, the Bible says that, you know, Job, I shall set no wicked thing before mine eyes, and I'm, you know, looking at these things. I I don't know, the Bible says this, and he's doing this, and he's a Christian, and and I think he's a mature Christian, but I I don't really know what's going on, and hey, it's, it's, I'm not saying that we always got to, you know, come up with, you know, uh, hypothetical situations. That's not what I'm saying. But you, you do see what I'm saying, right? Hey, let's not seek to justify what we're doing. Let's find out what helps a brother or sister in Christ. That's the principle. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 says, For though I be free from all men. He says, I am free from all men. I don't have to answer to any of you, is what Paul is saying. And he didn't. You don't have to justify yourself to me. I don't have to justify myself to you. I don't have to worry about what you're going to say. I am going to stand before the judge of all of the world, of all of creation, and I will answer to him for what I did. And you will stand before him and answer to him for what you did. You're not going to answer to me, and I'm not going to answer to you. And Paul says, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. He says, I put myself underneath voluntarily. I know what the Bible says. I'm not going to be judged by you. I understand that is what Paul is saying. But he's saying, I have made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. He says, it's all about winning souls. It's all about helping brothers and sisters in Christ. And when it comes to edification, sometimes we as Christians forget about the building process and we say, well, I think the line is here, and some other Christians, you know, and, and I have my own lines and my own standards, but I don't want to be a hindrance to somebody else. Amen? And you shouldn't want to be a hindrance to somebody else either. So we should be careful in the consideration of how we live. There's a higher call, the higher call of edification. We see the calling Again, stumbling blocks, the calling to spiritual things. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. He's saying it's not about the meat. It's not about the food. It's not, that's not the issue. The real issue is this, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We are dealing with spiritual matters. We are dealing with spiritual things. So there is a calling to the spiritual, to righteousness. What promotes righteousness? That should be the question that we ask. What promotes righteousness? What promotes peace? 
What promotes joy in the Holy Ghost? That should be the question that we ask. We also see the calling of service. Verse 18. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Ultimately, we are all servants of the Lord. Amen? We are all servants to the Almighty God. Whether or not you want to be or not, we are all His servants. We serve Him. And we ought to desire to serve Him. But notice what the wording, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God. You know what God is saying? There are some people that want to serve me, but they want to serve me in their own way. But you know what's acceptable to God? Serving God his way. Serving God the way he wants to be served. Serving God how he has given his instruction. When he says that he wants to do it a certain way, we ought to want to do it that way. And that's how we ought to serve. Amen? And so when God says, hey, we ought not to put a stumbling block before a brother or sister, he that serveth Christ in these things, in not putting a stumbling block in the way of others, is acceptable to God. That's what is acceptable. And we see this higher calling of edification. Hey, there's a higher call. Rather than the question of what is wrong, what's wrong with this? The question is what will build? What will edify? You know, when, you, when you're coming to a, 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 a building project, you know, the wrong question is why can't I do this? Sometimes that needs to be the question because we just don't know. But really the best question is what will help this building get stronger? What's wrong with this? Well, maybe technically there's nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't help it. So let's not put it in there. Let's not waste our time. Let's not put that uh, whatever extra thing in there. We also see the helping consideration for edification. Romans chapter 15, verse number 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. So we see the priority of consideration, which is this. So the verse here says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. When you take that verse, because, you know, uh, you probably read the Bible the way that I read the Bible, uh, which is you stop at the end of a chapter or a natural break, right? Nobody stops reading the Bible after, like, verse number three and just says, all right, I'm done here, right? Usually you go until a chapter break or, you know, you have some designated reading, you read that section. But generally speaking, we read until the end of a chapter, right? Just when you read any book, you, you try to read to the end of a section, to the end of a chapter, but the chapters are man-made, okay? God didn't put the chapter breaks in there. He didn't say, all right, this is chapter 15. All right, this is chapter 16. All right, this is verse number one. Paul, all right, write this down. One, all right, here's verse one, here's verse two. That's not it, all right? Somebody else put them in. The context of Romans 15 verse one is the passage that we just read in Romans 14. So when it says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, He's talking about what we just talked about. A weaker Christian who doesn't know where the boundaries are exactly, but he has a conscience, and he says, I don't think that's right. He doesn't know. Paul knew, right? Paul said, it's just me. You can eat it. It's fine. It's the same. It doesn't matter. You can eat it. You can use it. Another Christian, though, says, well, it's been offered to idols. I don't really know. Is that okay? Is that not okay? I'm not really sure. Here's a strong Christian, Paul, who knows what the Bible says. And he knows where he ought to stand. Here's a weaker Christian who doesn't have the same standard. He doesn't know what the Bible says. He doesn't know where God has drawn the lines. 
And here's the, the thing. Uh, sometimes Christians from other churches or other places, they come here and they say, oh, you know what? We have Christian liberty on all sorts of different things. And, and uh, you know, here at Bible Baptist Church, you just, you're just not in the right place. You're just antiquated. It's just based on culture and all different sorts of things. But here's what I would say to that, which is this. I believe that we stand where the Bible stands. Amen? Otherwise, we would change it. Right? Right? If we don't stand where the Bible stands, you come and tell me. All right? Come and tell me where we are not standing where the Bible stands. But I believe we stand where the Bible stands. That's why we stand there. But if somebody else comes in and says, hey, you know what? We really know what the Bible says, and you're not really doing what the Bible says. I would say, well, if you really believe that, then you should apply Romans 15.1. If you really think you're the stronger Christian, and we're the weaker Christian because we have the standard that is not based on the principle of the word of God, but we have that standard, then you be the stronger Christian and you bear the infirmity of the weak and you raise your standard to match ours. That's what the Bible is talking about, to raise the standard. Here is Paul, he says, I am free, but I will make my servant unto all, unto all men, the priority of consideration. If you've ever played sports and had a teammate that gets injured or you've gotten injured, it's not fun, right? You know, I used to play soccer a lot when I was growing up. And uh, the, the most common injury for soccer is like a sprained ankle or a knee or something. You know, just some guy recklessly coming in, sliding across the whole field and just scissor kicking everybody in the way, you know. And uh, people get their ankles hurt and they, they roll their ankles and they injure their ankles. They sprain their ankles. And if you ever sprained an ankle, I mean, it can be pretty painful at first and, and you can't really walk. The, the, the good teammate will not say to the injured teammate, Hey, just get up and walk. You know what the good teammate will do? He'll come alongside and help them along the way. Hey, if we're going to be strong Christians, we need to come alongside and help the weaker Christians. To bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Our purpose is to please the Lord. The question that we need to ask when it comes to how we live our lives is, does this please God? Will this please the Lord? Secondly, I see the purpose of consideration. Let us, everyone, please his neighbor for his good to edification. Not just, is this fun for me? Is this pleasurable for me? But will this help a brother or sister in Christ? We also see the preaching of consideration. Verse 3. For even Christ, even God, even Jesus Christ, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Jesus is our example. Do you wonder why we have a Matthew and a Mark and a Luke and a John? Why do we have so many gospels? Why do we have so many books written about Jesus Christ telling us about, didn't Jesus come to seek and to save and to give his life a ransom for many? Isn't that why he came? Couldn't he have just come and died and been buried and rose again and gone back to heaven and that would be enough and just have a little pamphlet that says Jesus came and he died and he was buried and he rose again. Yes, he could have, but he included some other things. Why? For our learning. So we would have an example in the Lord. A physical example, 
here on earth. What did Jesus do? All right, maybe we should do that. There's some learning and some education. And this scripture is full of examples that will help us in our Christian walk. Jonathan sacrificing his natural uh, inherited position of king to help his friend David. What a friend. What a sacrifice. What did, what, wouldn't you love to have a friend like that? Hey, that's a great lesson for us to learn. What kind of a friend should I be? Hey, you know what? Here is something that I should, according to natural course, I should inherit this. I should be the king. He was the king's son. He was the next, the heir to the throne. But he gave it up and he said, I know that you're going to be king and I will do whatever I can to help you. That's a great friend. Hey, that's a great example. Hey, you know what? You say, oh, what kind of a friend should I be here at Bible Baptist Church? I have my peers here and I have some other people here. Look to the Bible. We can learn some lessons. Abraham, when he was in a conflict between he and a relative, he and his nephew Lot, they had too many possessions together. And here is Abraham on the one side. He was the one given the promise, amen? It was not Lot, right? Lot did not receive the promise. It was Abraham who received the promise. His descendants would receive the promise, not Lot. But Lot came along. And so they're there together. They both grew, and they were so lucrative in their, in their business that they couldn't stay together. And so Abraham could have rightfully said, Lot, hey, this is my land. Get out of here. Go find your own land. But you know what he did? He said, Lot, you look out. You pick whatever it is that you want, and I'll go the other direction. He deferred to his nephew in his own promised land. He said, this is my promised land that was promised to me. But he went to his lot and he said, hey, you, you just, you pick the direction you want to go and I'll go the opposite direction. And so Lot went in one direction towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham went the other direction. And you know what? Guess who was blessed? It was Abraham. Abraham got blessed anyway. You see the example of Barnabas. Barnabas reaching out to Saul. Saul was obviously persecuting the Christians. He had a terrible reputation among the church, as you can imagine. And uh, people who were saved and uh, uh, were afraid of him. The disciples were afraid of him. Saul got saved. Praise the Lord. Hey, anybody can get saved. Amen? Hey, you might have a neighbor. You might have a friend. You might have a relative. You might have somebody. That saying, they're just never going to get saved. They can get saved. If Saul can get saved, they can get saved. And Saul got saved. And he wanted to get closer to the Christians. But you can imagine what they're saying. Hey, I think this is a trick. I know what you used to do. You used to try to get all of the Christians together. And you used to take them to jail. And you used to persecute them and try them. Hey, we're not going to fall for your trick. Barnabas went out on a limb. He extended himself. He put himself on the line. And he brought Paul. And he brought the disciples together. Wouldn't that be a great thing if our church were just full of Barnabases? Somebody would extend the hand to one individual and to another individual and bring them together. Hey, isn't that a great thing? Instead of us just staying in our own little groups, hey, let's bring one group over here and another group over here. Hey, let's do this together. Hey, here's one individual over here and another individual over here. Hey, let's do this together. We need some more Barnabases here. And of course, we have the example of Jesus Christ. The scriptures were given for our learning so that we would be edified. If you're a member here of Bible Baptist Church, hopefully you've asked yourself the question, what can I do to help build this church? Hopefully you've asked that question before. What can I do to build this church? How can I help? And some of you are serving in many different ways. Some of you, I'm sure, have come to the, the conclusion, 
how can I help build Bible Baptist Church? And the answer to the question in your mind is, I don't know. Right? You ever been there? You're sincere. You want to do something, but you don't know what the answer is. You want to help, but you don't know how to help. You want to participate, but you don't know where. You want to do something, you want to be involved, but you don't know how to do that. Right? You ever been there? In your Christian walk, in your life connection group, in your church, you say, I want to do something, but I don't know what I can do. I can't teach. I can't play the piano. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. If you could just do one thing today to help build Bible Baptist Church, the one thing that every single one of us could do is read your Bible. You say, I don't know what to do. Well, read your Bible. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You want to build Bible Baptist Church? Read your Bible. You've been reading your Bible? You've been reading your Bible? How often do you read your Bible? How much do you read your Bible? You say, oh, you know, how come Bible Baptist Church isn't growing? Have you been growing? Have you been reading your word? Have you been getting into the Bible and soaking it in and feeding on the meat and growing in strength? You need to get into your Bible if our church is to grow. Thirdly, I see the holier choice for edification. Verse number 5. Romans chapter 15, verse number 5. We see that there is a choice to lean on God. Verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grants you. All of this is fine in terms of ideas in our head, but ultimately it is still the Lord that builds his church. You still need God's strength each and every day. I really believe this. The more that you try to live for the Lord, the more you realize you need God. People who think that they don't need God haven't tried it. They're not trying. Because if they tried, they would realize that they need the Lord. And those that need the Lord, they come to church and say, I need you, God. Hey, I want to serve you. I want to hear from your word. I want to be involved. And, and people who are trying to serve the Lord and they want to build, they, they understand that they need God. And those that understand that they need God, guess what happens? They get into the Bible. They say, God, I need you. I want to hear from you today. There's a choice to lean on God. We also see that there's a choice of like-mindedness from God. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Now a lot of us think differently and when it comes to like-mindedness I'm not saying that every single one of us will be just identical copies of every single other person. The Bible of course describes the church as a body and every body has different members, different parts, different body parts and so we're not talking about identical copies of course but we are all to have the same mind, the mind of Christ. That's what Philippians chapter 2 talks about, right? That we would all have the mind of Christ, that we would all be humble, that we would all seek to serve the Lord, that we would have the mind of Christ. Verse 3, for even Christ pleased not himself. We see that there is a choice of like-mindedness from God. Uh, when I was in uh, college... I knew a member, a, a guy, he was in my classes, he was a, a part of crew, he was in rowing, and uh, so he, he was a part of that, and uh, whenever you watch those people that are a part of crew, um, 
It's just kind of interesting. First of all, they're super tall and long. You ever notice that? I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but this guy was like six foot five, and he had arms that were like just, you know, incredible. And so, first of all, they're super long, and if you've ever watched them, they all move in motion together. They all move in motion together. The rows all dip into the water at the same time. They all pull for the same length. They all draw at the same speed. It's all in unison, at least the good ones are. Bad crew teams are not in sync. And guess what happens when you're not in sync? All right, you're sitting really closely together. If your rows are not moving in the same speed and motion, guess what happens? They bump into each other. One person's rowing faster than the other person, bumps into the other person and says, hey, hurry up. And the guy behind says, no, you slow down. And you can imagine the conflict that would appear. For us to move together and move forward, we need to have the same mind, the same rhythm. On a crew, at least when there's more than two, when there's like a group of four or eight, there's somebody called a coxswain who sits at the, at the front, and he is looking back, and, or he's, I guess, technically looking forward, and he, he's shouting things at the people. All right? He's shouting at the team. I don't know what he's shouting, but he's shouting at them. Part of his job is to keep everybody in motion together. Right? He has some other jobs as well, but that's a big part of his motion, to keep things together. We have the Holy Scriptures to keep us all together. Jesus is saying, hey, let's do this all together. Let's all pull together. Let's all move together. Hey, let's all roll forward. Hey, let's move together. Let's be in unity. Hey, let's not be in conflict, everybody doing their own thing at their own speed, their own way, and bumping into each other and, and causing problems. Hey, let's all move together so that we can have this choice to lift up God in verse number 6. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world will hear us better when we all speak together. You ever have a bunch of kids run up to you and tell you about something that just happened? You know, either somebody, you know, they got in a fight and now they're running up to you and he did that, and everybody's yelling and screaming and, and you, can't, you can't figure out every, anything. So you just tell everybody, okay, stop, all right? You tell me what happened, all right? You, you, and when everybody speaks at their own speed, their own way, everybody's doing everything differently, it's hard to make out clearly what's being said. But when we all speak together, people can hear clearly. I believe that the world doesn't hear the gospel clearly because God's people are not in unity. We're not speaking together. We're not moving together. We got our own thing. We're doing it our own way. We're holding on to our rights instead of saying, all right, God, this is your church. How do you want your church to be built? What could I do to edify? Maybe what you need to do is you just need to get into your Bible. Hey, praise the Lord, the New Year's is just right around the corner. January 1st is this Tuesday. Guess what you could do on Tuesday? Open up your Bible and read Genesis chapter 1. Read Matthew. 
chapter number one. Just get into your Bible. Maybe you don't even read a chapter. Maybe you just read a couple of verses. But get into your Bible every day. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you're in conflict with another individual. Maybe you need to get that resolved. Maybe you need to get that, those two pieces, these two relational pieces here at Bible Baptist Church. We need to get back together again so that God can keep building. Whatever the case might be, let me encourage you just to take that one principle and say, I want a good church here. We've got to hold the standard high. And I want, to, I want to take that higher call that God has given and say, you know what? No matter what the case is, I want Jesus Christ to be glorified and I want the church to be built.